This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Uh, so I got a box of four different Magic Spoon cereals in the mail this week, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry, and it was uh, the highlight of my week. When I was a child, I was only allowed to eat nice cereal on the weekends because in those days they hadn't figured out how to make cereal both nice and healthy yet. Uh, so the past few days I've been able to defy my parents and delight my child at the same time just by eating Magic Spoon's amazing frosted flavor, which reminds me of the only two days out of every week that I was ever truly happy as a boy. Um, now, it doesn't say this in the copy here, uh, which is honestly a little bit irresponsible, um, but in the interest of safety, I do want to just kind of spell out for everyone uh, that you shouldn't just open every box you come across just because sometimes there's nice cereal inside it. Uh, for instance, the Lament configuration is also a box you can find. Uh, based on the very few Hellraiser movies I've seen, sometimes you have to spend a lifetime looking for it, but sometimes it's just hidden in the floorboards of your attic. And if you carelessly open that box, you will be introduced to a world of pleasure and pain beyond anything the human mind can imagine. Um, so I want to be really clear here. If you're certain that what you have is a magic spoon delivery box, do open that. It tastes amazing, it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Uh, but if you think there's any chance at all that the box you have might be the Lament configuration from Hellraiser, don't open that. It doesn't taste like anything, and usually Pinhead and an army of ill-begotten abominations called Cenobites will come out of it and pull you into a labyrinthine dimension of torment and agony. Go to magicspoon.com slash babysitters to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code babysitters at checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash babysitters and use the code babysitters for free shipping. Uh, we want to thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. And again, just so it's absolutely crystal clear delicious boxes of breakfast food that will take you back to your childhood yes diabolical puzzle boxes that will open a portal to an army of extra-dimensional beings who will mercilessly flay your flesh no be safe out there in 86 nm martin wrote the first book of what became a Listen, man, I'm pretty jet-lagged, and I'm definitely going to let you do most of the heavy lifting today. Great, so that's two people who's not going to do any heavy lifting because I am also jet-lagged. I feel like I'm tripping through space and time. Mm -hmm. In my mind, it's somewhere around 6 a.m. 6.43 a.m. But in my body, mm -hmm. in my current physical state, mm -hmm. it is 8.43 p.m. on a Saturday in Tokyo, Japan. Let the cat out of the bag pretty early, didn't you there, Ken? I feel like I'm hooked on synchro right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm razzing on some synchro pretty yeah, hard. I'm flying high on synchro. I guess jet lag is kind of the traditional term, but we call it synchro. So to give you a little context here, Baby Nation, Tanner and I both got pretty jazzed on some synchro. Yeah, I got hooked on synchro. Uh, we're fully hooked. And now here we are. We can both see through time. Why did we wait until 8.45 to start recording? Time has no meaning We just here. sat and watched TV for two hours. <laughs> and then you made me cook you dinner. Yeah. Well, you volunteered. <laughs> we watched TV for two hours. This is a literal exposition of what just happened. We watched yeah. TV for two hours after spending a day walking around the streets of Tokyo and yes. exhausting ourselves. We're here for work. And then I said... Let's record the podcast before we both fall asleep because we have a lot of jet lag. Right. And we're both hooked on synchro. Right. And you said... Make me dinner. <laughs> Why don't you cook me dinner? Yeah. So I cooked you dinner. And you. You cooked <laughs> us dinner. And now here we are. 8.44 p.m. An and hour we've later. got um, a whole podcast to record. Yeah. We read a book. Oh, we sure did, my friend. This week. Yep. You want to get to it right away? Hi, hi. Hi. And welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club. Konbanwa, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club. Konnichiwa. Well, it's 8.44. Konbanwa is probably the more appropriate term. Konbanwa. Yeah. And welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club, Club. a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, and I, Tanner Greenringson, 
in which I, Jack Shepard's son, son, and I, Tanner Greenring's son, talk about the classic novels of Princeton's own princess, Anne Matthews Martin, Stormborn, American novelist. American. It's important to <laughs> emphasize that. While we're here in Japan. Which is where we are. Uh, why? Why did we get on a plane and fly 14 hours to come here just to do this? Because that seems silly. We can just do this at home. We carried two mics, 7,000 miles, and we're 14 hours ahead just tripping on synchro. Ugh, not nice. Why do we do this? It's a futuristic dystopia. We can just record at home. Just to give the baby nation that extra little hit of dopamine they get from knowing that we're in yet another country. Okay. Even further flung from Brooklyn, New York. I suppose we do also need to kind of... We've penetrated the American market. Yeah. We need to branch out a little bit, find some Asian listeners. Yeah. Kambamwa. And we'll start here in Japan. Yeah. So, welcome. Kambamwa. Yeah. Uh, This podcast is about a series of books written for American girls in the 1980s and 90s called Mm -hmm. The Babysitter's Club. It was written by Anna Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not familiar with the series, Japanese listeners, I would go and pick a few up, maybe kind of catch up a little bit. Uh, but you may not need to because we actually do this thing right here in the show yeah, where we talk about the book we read this week. Yeah. So you probably won't need to read it because we'll just cover that for you. We spoke to a Japanese colleague recently about our podcast, and she was intrigued to learn what it was about. We said it was about a series of books called The Babysitter's Club which you'd never heard of. Right. We proceeded to explain the concept, and then she was like, oh, is it like Sweet Valley Twins? Yeah, Sweet Valley Twins. So I think we are possibly reading the wrong books for teenage girls. Well, we've already fully committed to this one. We're in book number 55, Jesse's Gold Medal. I don't think we can switch gears over to the Sweet Valley High books, which are the main series from which Sweet Valley Twins, Sweet Valley Twins spun off. I do believe that if we want to penetrate the Japanese market, my friend, based on a focus group of one. Put me in, coach. A series in which we read the classic novels of Francine Pascal, American author of Sweet Valley Twins. (laughs) (laughs) Kambamwa. Kambamwa. All right. Now we've reeled the Japanese listeners in. Now it's a bait and switch. <laughs> it's actually... Because I definitely didn't read a <laughs> Sweet Valley Twins book. Uh, we read a Babysitter's Club book, and the book we read is Jesse's Gold Medal. Yes. Um, I liked it a lot, Tanner. Good. I thought it was good. Yeah. I felt like it was what you would describe as good, clean, babysitting fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, shall we... Uh, Tell the Baby Nation what happened in this novel? Yeah. Okay. Man, I'm getting a lot less resistance from you than normal. It's really hitting me, man. Yeah? The synchro? Yeah, the synchro's hitting me now. It might be the Kirin Ichibans, or yeah. it might be the synchro. The synchro has really yeah. set in. Synchro Synchro is something that Jesse says. She calls it synchro. Yeah, she says in chapter four, I was hooked on synchro. She actually does say, have you ever done any synchro? <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm flying high on synchro right now, Jesse. <laughs> I think that's it. Sounds like a it's Jesse's it like teacher. A I don't know cyberpunk drug. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. something from Blade Runner. Like the flesh jobs are all down in <laughs> Roppongi Hills, getting high on synchro. Yeah, you get hooked into the mainframe, but you got to watch out for those flesh jobs running around. Yeah, you do. Who are just razzing on synchro? Yeah, got to be careful. Yeah, especially down in Roppongi. Um. That's what this novel is about. Jack and I have been in Roppongi Hills, Tokyo, Japan, for a week. Razzing on synchro. And we, every time we say Roppongi, oh, boy. we have to say Roppongi on solo. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. I don't know why. It's, it's just something we do. I very much don't like it. I don't like it either. I don't like it. And then when we say the name of the town, Kyoto, we yeah. say Kyoto, Kyoto. I'm like, better. I'm better at it than you. You are. do it. Kyoto, Kyoto. <laughs> Just like which is what uh, Princess Leia says when she's disguised as Boosh, the Boosh, the bounty hunter, <laughs> also in Star Wars. <laughs> Roughly in the same scene. 
there, there you go, baby nation. Now, now you got a peek inside our little minds. So I this think this is what we've been doing for a week. Honestly, I think this is the most raw and open that we have ever been <laughs> with each other and with baby nation. Uh, that's that's what synchro will do to you. That's what synchro will do to you. It'll open you wide open. Well, today we're going to get into what synchro did to Jesse Romsey, mm. known babysitter, mm. Stony Brook resident, and future star of stage and screen, we assume. You're just holding on by a thread. <laughs> Listen, let's describe this book. Yeah. Can we do it twice? You I'll, do it first. I'll do it first and then you'll do it? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to start now. Ready, Captain? Based on a true story, Jesse's gold medal is the internationally acclaimed drama of two very different athletes who compete as runners in one of the great races of the 20th century. Kristen Thomas, a fiercely determined overachiever, believes that success is her destiny and her birthright. Alan Gray, a troubled anarchic genius with natural athletic ability, wants desperately to be accepted by the society he has turned his back on. As they train for their inevitable clash on the racetrack, fueled by very different desires, their fears, their strengths, and the scorching heat of the fire that drives each of them will be revealed. Set against the backdrop, of American synchronized swimmer Jesse Ramsey's surprising bid for gold in the 1992 Stony Brook Olympics, this story lays bare the true sacrifice, commitment, and devotion required of those of us who aim for the greatest athletic achievements. Jesse's gold medal. I wasn't paying attention. I know you weren't. You were looking at your fucking phone. I picked up my phone and I looked at it. That is what I would describe as a tour de force. I don't like sports Okay. in real life. Yep. I can't keep my attention on sports at all. Uh-huh. And I definitely can't keep my attention on sports when you're describing it in this kind of long-winded, meandering way. Well, don't say that to me. Say that to whoever wrote the description of Chariots of Fire on IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) That's cheating. (laughs) You cheated. Because this was loosely inspired by that. You think so? Yeah. (laughs) You think Jesse getting hooked on Synchro (laughs) and David Michael crying his way through a potato sack race was loosely based on Chariots of Fire. What is Chariots of Fire about? It's Running good, on the man. beach? It's good. They run on the beach. That's it? What do they do, those sports guys? They race each other, man. On foot? Yeah. It's about Olympic runners. Yep. Training for the Olympics. Right. It's about the integrity, the determination, and the drive that it takes to achieve at the highest level of human physical exertion. Mm. Much like this novel. Yeah. Tanner, do you... I only know what it's like to uh, achieve the highest levels of podcasting. It's very similar. Podcasting. It's very similar. Yeah. It's a lot of... Podcast achievement. Yeah. Yeah. Like all We're those... titans. All those like... Me, you, Jesse, we stand among these little people like titans. Right. And they look up to us. They look like ants to us. Yeah. I wonder if podcasting has ever been or will ever be an Olympic event. We're here to find out. Okay. <laughs> um, what about if you describe the book? You ready, sir? Yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you to describe this book. I'm going to ask you to describe it starting now. Go. Uh, it's the 1992 Summer Olympics. Mm-hmm. Everyone is very excited about it. Um, Becca Ramsey is concerned that the Olympics aren't coming to Stony Brook. So Jesse decides to uh, organize a mini Olympics for the children. Uh, in the meantime, there is a uh, sports festival happening at Stony Brook Middle School. Jesse signs up for Synchro, uh, it's, which is water dancing. And uh, Alan Gray and Christy have an obstacle course race. Uh, and everyone else signs up for stuff too. Uh, Jesse gets gold medal in her uh, thing. And Synchro, and Christy beats Alan Gray, and he needs to be her servant for a week. Uh, the kids' Olympics, mini Olympics, go off uh, well. Uh, everyone is very happy, and uh, um, um, 
Jesse's gold medal. Stop. Can I say two things? Got it all. Got it all in. Got it all in. This is new for you. You've done every combination of this. Yeah. So far in the 56 episodes we've recorded. But you've never done them both. This was both completely lackluster. Yeah. And an excellent description of this novel. (laughs) An excellent and complete description of this novel. You got the whole book in. And you did it all in 60 seconds. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm proud of myself. The yeah. sucky part is it's not funny or interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't make good podcasting. Well, the Baby Nation got this book just synchroed right into their brain. Yeah, pieces. you can just turn off the podcast, Baby they Nation. Just, I just did the whole thing. Now you know what happened. Yeah. Oh, except there was also a lot of other rad shit, not to mention a <gasps> track and Jackie, which we'll get to in a little bit. That's a teaser. Baby wow. Nation. Speaking of seeing through time, Tanner. The Olympics. Oh, you want to The start? Olympics. Okay. Good. The Olympics. Yeah. The Olympics. Okay, Jesus. What? You just say you just said the Olympics five times and then you looked at me. I was about to say something. What were you gonna say? No, 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 no. I'm super fucking fascinated. I don't really have a way in. <laughs> I just wanted to hear if you had anything to say about the Olympics. Oh okay. Oh, so that was kinda of one of those like yes and type of things? Where you like you throw out the Olympics and see what I can do with it? Yes. And <laughs> did you have any thoughts about the Olympics? Uh, yeah, they hold an Olympics here. Nineteen ninety. Where were the Olympics in? Nineteen ninety. Lake Placid, Moscow. N- Moscow would be the Winter Olympics. Lillehammer, Barcelona. This must be the nineteen ninety two Summer Olympics in Barcelona. And that's when everybody in the world got hooked. For a moment in time on Synchro. Yeah. <laughs> you know what the motto of the 1992 Barcelona Olympics were? What? Friends for life. <laughs> wow. It feels relevant. Yeah, that really fits to this, this text. Novel. Yeah. That's just what the world was about in 1992. Yeah. Friendship. Yeah. Anne was helming the great ship Babysitter's Club. Yeah. All about friendship. Yeah. The, the Spanish people. We're hosting the Summer Games. The International Olympic Committee had not yet discovered extreme corruption. Right. Or Stony Brook, Connecticut. And they, or else they would have hosted them there. Yeah. <laughs> they reached their hands across the world. And Anne said, you know what? Mix in metaphors here, but I'm going to take up this baton and I'm going to run with it. On her ship? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> she should steer the ship. <laughs> There's just not anywhere to run on there either. You could probably run around the <laughs> folksle. Um, Tanner, I have a bone to pick. Yep. With the title of this novel. Jesse's Gold Medal. Yeah. Yeah. Calling this book Jesse's Gold Medal. Mm. Now, after having read it, is the equivalent of calling Citizen Kane Rosebud is a sled. Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Or calling Die Hard Hans Gruber falls out of the 30th floor. Yeah, but you can kind of see that coming. John McClane unhooks Holly's watch. Yeah. You can kind of see that coming. <laughs> He's the bad guy. He's bound to die. Oh, oh, uh, spoilers for Die Hard. Spoilers for Die episode. Hard. Spoilers for Citizen Kane. And also spoilers for this novel where Jesse is super worried about winning a gold medal. And there is like a nail-biting conclusion where it's not clear whether or not she's going to succeed in her synchro event. And then like the directed by M. Night Shyamalan twist at the end is that she, she wins, despite not she being that good medal. at synchro is she wins the gold medal in synchro and i don't know what it means <laughs> it feels significant it feels important yeah that Anne telegraphed it to us in this way it's like like is the message even if you're bad at things you'll get a gold medal yeah. children of america typical like nanny state everyone wins there are no losers anymore so I have a thought about this. Okay. Um, and it's related to the platonic forms, <sighs> which which Anne references early in the novel. Did Does you catch she? this quote? Yeah, 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 I did. You did? Yep. Do you want to read it? No, no, no. Let's just move on. Um, uh, 
No, no, no. I'll read it if you're oh. not going to. Um, I think it's obvious to everyone, though. She's talking to Becca. It's, it's obvious to everyone. Jesse's talking to Becca, yeah. her sister. Yeah. Becca has this idea that it would be cool if the Olympics came to Stony Brook. Yeah. And Jesse then has the idea to host an Olympics in Stony Brook. Yeah. I went over all of that in my the very concise description of this novel, Jack. And she says to Becca, would you be interested in participating? No. Becca says. No. I don't know. Maybe. It turns out that Becca was more interested in the idea of the Olympics than in actually being in them. Yeah. I think that's true of 99.9999% of the world's population. This is a Everyone loves the Olympics. This is a novel that is about the pure platonic ideal of success. Okay. It's not about the physical gold that you win. Yeah. It is about the idea of success. I looked up idea in this book. The word idea yeah. occurs, I'm going to say about 80 times. Okay. Good. Do you want me to read some of them? Yep. Okay. I definitely do. Seems like you're on a real roll. Fine. If they gave out the gold medal in podcasting, yeah, you would get bronze. Christy. Because it's boring. You know how a dry sponge soaks up water if you put it in a puddle? That's what Christy's brain is like. It's an idea sponge. Idea machine. While Christy's brimming with ideas. Here's another quote. Claudia's brimming with junk food. Pretty this good. It's kind of a burn on Claudia a is little it your, bit. Is it? No, it's not. Okay. My point is... Because we can only pop the top off that segment yeah. once because we're, not we're going in a quiet Airbnb in a very dignified neighborhood in Tokyo. This is a book that is about the pursuit of something intangible. Yep. And the gold medal itself, the physical thing that Jesse wins, and mm. this is what Anne is trying to tell us, mm. is not meaningful. The idea, the pursuit of perfection, that's not something that Jesse necessarily can grasp or we as readers can grasp. Okay. Do you want to say something about it? No, not really. Uh, here's the thing is they do the kid Olympics and they ask all the kids what events they want to do. And the kids suggest horse racing said Melody. Okay. Roller skate races. Melody said long jump. Scott yelled volleyball. Karen said magic show. Linny shouted. There are no magic shows in the Olympics. Hanny said rolling her eyes. Okay. Up until the 1920s. Mm hmm. Did you know that there was a whole section of the Olympics dedicated to the pursuit of fine arts? Absolutely not. Did you, you didn't know that? No. Up until 1924, you could get a gold medal mm -hmm. in literature. You're just tweaking my chain here. Literature competitions were divided into a varied number of categories. Until 1924, again in 1932, there was only a single literature category in 1928 separate categories are introduced for dramatic epic and lyric literature that seems unlikely so i think we yeah have a way in here for the podcasting olympics yeah okay it's an idea i introduced as a joke at the beginning of this episode but i've been quietly googling yeah over here and discovered that there was a whole there, there was olympic awards for architecture right that's a craft okay what we do is a craft well, and this fits with what I've been fucking trying to tell you. Your thing was boring, though. No, Let's talk listen, about how we do. What, how do we join? Okay, let me tell you this, and then you can say your thing. Plato talks about the pursuit of arete, which means virtue, uh, right? Yeah. And the platonic form of arete, or virtue, uh, is not just one thing. It's three things. It's mind, body, and soul. Okay. So Jesse's gold medal is for developing her athletic sensibilities, right? That's the right. pursuit of the body. Right. But it's not the platonic form of arete unless she is also developing her mind and her soul. Okay. And so here we are. Maybe she doesn't need to. Maybe she can focus on the athletic stuff. We'll focus on the mind stuff. Exactly. Podcast. You got it. Okay. I'm into this. Okay. I think we got to weigh in, man. I think we can be in the Olympics. Okay. I don't want to be all Becca Ramsey about this, but yeah. like, I got that Olympic bug. I'm not an athletic man. Yeah. So I'm not going to get anywhere with synchro. 
I am very good at tripping on synchro. Yeah. I'm not good at doing synchro. Doing synchro. Right. But I think we can probably call the Olympic Committee and get podcasting at it. Okay. Baby Nation. Yeah. Baby Nation. Reach out to your local congressman, I think. No. I'm not sure. Okay. And ask them to add podcasting as an Olympic event in the 2020 Games in <gasps> Tokyo, Japan. What? We're already here. Okay. Let's just find them. This is real. While we're here. Okay. We'll go. You guys had literature in, well into the 1940s. Yeah. Let us podcast. Okay. We'll go to the headquarters of the IOC here in Tokyo, Japan. We're doing that for you, Baby Nation. I think we're we going to ask them still not win. to add podcasting as an Olympic event. I think Sarah Koenig would win. Before gold. it's too late. Yeah. Well, she's a professional. Oh, you have to be am- pro-am. It's got to be uh, amateurs. Okay. Well, I wouldn't describe us as amateurs. Pro-am. Pro-am. Yeah. It's got to be pro-am. We're doing our part. You, Baby Nation, call your congressman it's or the, woman. It's the 2000 uh, Dream Team. Yeah. The, wait. The 2020 Dream Team. <laughs> How did you get the date wrong, dude? <laughs> Very uns- <laughs> By 20 fucking years. <laughs> it's the synchro, man. Listen, let's talk about The Watcher. Tanner. What? Get off your computer. I need it. That's where my notes are. I literally saw what you were looking at, and it was anime. <laughs> Tanner's turned his computer upside down, showing me the Babysitter's Club book, Jesse's Gold Medal. All right. Well, I'm sorry to you, and I'm sorry to Baby Nation. Tanner, let's talk about the watch. They should make the Babysitter's Club into an anime. What a good idea, Jack. I mean, there's already a graphic novel. I want an anime. Okay. The Babysitter's are all half girl, half boat. (laughs) <laughs> baby nation tanner and i discovered an anime that i'm sure many of you are familiar with because i think called it's called Kole. it's very famous yeah it's very popular here in japan but it's these it's these boat girls i think yeah. that's the only way to describe they're it they're like girls but they're also boats yeah uh yeah. like kind of world war ii boats it, like have you ever looked at a girl and been like i like i like that i like girls yeah but what what if also what if- boat have you ever, Baby Nation, uh, let, let's put this another way. You ever looked at a boat yeah. and thought, I like that. I like boats. Yeah. What if it was a girl? <laughs> now you can. Yeah. And it's called? Cancole. Cancole. Yeah. It's boat girls or girl boats. We are at a huge eight-floor Sega arcade yeah. in Akihabara earlier today. Yep. And we found our way to the boat girl yeah. arcade game section and, and like and i sat down to to play this very popular boat girl game <laughs> and a man came up to me and tapped my shoulder and said in japanese sorry sir there's actually a long line for the boat girl game yeah and there were i'm gonna say 18 boat girl games all occupied and a queue to play any game that happened to open up yeah so they're on to something. Well, how do we get on to boat girls? Ooh, I don't know. Yeah. Tanner, I wanted to talk to you about The Watcher. Okay. Who watches The Watcher? Do you mean from Marvel? I like The Watcher from Marvel. He's a pretty good character. He's silent. There's a watcher in this book. There's a watcher in this book. An unfamiliar voice interrupted our conversation. You girls look fantastic. Are you on a team or something? It was the grown-up who had been swimming on the other side of the pool. He was trim, gray-haired, with a friendly smile. Yeah, Elise said, we have a competition tomorrow. Well, good luck, the man said. Although I don't think you'll need it. With that, he waved goodbye and headed for the lockers. Mm. I wish you were one of the judges, Elise said. I suspect that he is one of the judges. But not how they think. Exactly. And so do I. Okay. No, tell me more. I think this is, what's her name, John Osborne? What if God was one of us? Yeah. It should be what if God were one of us. I think this think? This is a scenario. Don't participate in the death of the subjunctive. I think John this is Osborne. a scenario ripped right from John Osborne's what if God were one of us. Yeah. And that man yeah. with the graying hair who foretold Jesse and Elisa's victory was probably God. 
Yeah, or some variation on on God. Yeah, he reminded some me some divine being. We've had this trope in Babysitters Club books in the past. He particularly reminded me of David Gray. Oh sure. So let go your head. Yeah. You think that was him too? Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Baby Nation, Baby Bees. Mm. Um, in case you haven't been following along, or in case this is your first episode, um, do your fucking work for the love of God, Baby Nation. What are you Nation? Been doing? Watching Japanese boat girls, Conco Lay? Yeah, no, turn that shit off and go listen to our back catalog. Um, in a previous episode, Claudia and the Genius of Elm Street. Uh, a man named David Gray. We suspect his suspect, name was David yeah. Gray. He wasn't given a name in the book. Right. But. Likely singer-songwriter. All, all signs point to right. his name being singer-songwriter David, David Gray. David Gray. Let go of your heart. Known for the hit song. Yeah. Babylon. Babylon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't heard it, I should say, check it out. It's a great check it song. out. It's a very good song. Go look up David Gray on Vivo. Yeah. The Watcher. Mm. I think that's the same man. That's all. He shows up out of nowhere at Claudia's art show. I was 90% sure when that happened in this book. Yeah. That the next day, it would be a judge. What? And that wasn't the case. Well, he's never referred to again. No. Yeah. I am I'm assuming we'll meet him again. Though. Oh, I'm certain we'll meet him in again. He has no name. Yeah. He's gray-haired. Right. He walks in. He drops a pearl of wisdom. Sometimes he wears a tweed coat. Yeah, sometimes he wears nothing. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't say what. Sometimes he appears in our lives yeah. as a anime girl who's half girl, half boat. <laughs> yeah. You just have to know where to look, baby nation. Yeah. What if God were one of us? What if God were one of us? Um, There's some more like crazy occult shit that happens in this book. Is oh, there? Oh, here's one. Yeah. Jessica Ramsey talking about her mom. You know, her name She's just Jesse. We just call her Jesse. <laughs> Jesse Ramsey talking about her mom. We're pretty close now. She sat at the edge of my bed. This doesn't sound like the Jessica Ramsey I know. She'd already be eating her second bowl of cereal. You sure you're feeling okay? Or is this an imposter in bed? <laughs> Why would you say that to your own fucking daughter? If you suspect she's an imposter, <laughs> A. Okay, well, we've got to the bottom of that one. <laughs> Jessie was having a hard time because she wasn't very good at synchro. Yeah. She's a great dancer. She's very graceful, which is why her swimming instructor noticed her and said, you'd be a great synchro Maybe artist. When you get dancer. hooked on synchro, it has like a disassociative quality to it. I think like synchro you split is... in two. Okay. You feel like you're an imposter in your own body. Yeah, I feel like that now. I certainly do, too. Yeah. I wake up every morning, and I look in your little bedroom over there, and I say, is that you, Jack? Yeah. You don't look like the Jack I know. Can we talk? Much grumpier. Yeah. (laughs) Can we talk about how you're waking up every morning and looking in my bedroom? Yeah. Okay. What about it? Don't and stop. Why? (laughs) It's a small Airbnb we're staying in here. It's nice. I'm just checking in on you. Uh. (laughs) Wake up at like 4 a.m. I don't have anything to do. Just tripping on synchro. <laughs> Let's crack that door and peek in. Yeah. All right. Well, that seems fine. See what you're on up to. <laughs> um, Tanner, something else happens in this book. Lots of stuff happens in this book. You want to start going through some of it? Yeah. I feel like we're finally starting to dig into the meat of this text. Well, something specifically happens in this book to one of our favorite characters. Jesse Ramsey. Yeah, she wins gold medal. Yep. Way to go, Jesse. Christy wins a gold medal, too. Christy wins a silver medal. Dummy. Yeah, but she wins a, the real gold, which is Alan Gray, servant for a week. Yeah, that's not a gold medal. The prize there is Alan Gray is her servant for a week. She Seven. wins a silver medal Okay. in the 100-meter dash. And then she wins the obstacle course. She challenges Alan Gray to a race around an obstacle course. The first person who crosses the finish line wins mm-hmm. the second person crosses the finish line loses that's how it works and yeah. the loser has to be the servant of the winner for one whole week yeah 
Christy wins that race. Alan becomes her servant. Alan has to do all the work for the mini Olympics. Yeah. Where children do the Olympics. Um, and that is my... And our Airbnb host very specifically said, "Don't, don't, just don't noise. fucking yell." Actually, he's, he said a few things. The first thing he said was, "Try to keep it down as much as possible." Yeah. Second thing he said was, "If you have curls over, don't have sex in the shower." <laughs> he did say that very specifically, <laughs> which is very weird. <laughs> <laughs> he just sized us up. He's like, yeah. you guys have ladies over. Yeah. No sex in the shower. It's like, I have so many questions, guy. <laughs> Best Fiends is a free-to-download, casual, mobile puzzle game with literally yep. thousands of levels that is boredom's yep. worst nightmare. And yep. uh, if you guys don't remember, Tanner and I have been engaging in a friendly competition yep. uh, between my group of fiends, uh, the... Jack's, Jack's jerks, jumping jerks, Jack's jumping jerks, and Tanner's tiny, tiny ticklers. ticklers. Yep. Um, and up until now, we've had some difficulties because while I have been playing through the game at quite a clip and advancing uh, and binging on the game and advancing mm-hmm. from level to level uh, and enjoying more levels, events, and challenges that are added all the time, um, Tanner, you've tended to have trouble um, getting your phone started. My phone wasn't working, but yeah. I have gotten it to work, Jack, okay. and I've, I've, I feel like I've caught up with you in Best yeah. Fiends. Um, okay, that's great to hear. And I'm really, I'm, I'm here to engage with you on it and, and talk about kind of our experiences playing the game. I do love the game. I just had a lot of phone troubles up until now. Okay, well, I'm glad but you're back. But now I'm embracing it. I'm playing it. I'm having so much fun with it. I love it. Okay, well, I'll start. Uh, so one of my experiences playing the game that I really enjoy is um, I really like picking which fiends to use and oh, upgrading them that. and c- building a crack team as I go through the levels. My favorite is Mordecai. Okay, that's not one. It's my favorite fiend. What level are you on, Jack? I am somewhere in the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And yourself? Seven thousand. Well, okay, that's a lot. They do have thousands of levels, uh, and they do have updates 000. all the time, so you can keep playing as 70, much as you want. Yes. So yep. that's what level I'm on, and we'll, I am having a fun with it. It's me, it's Mordecai. Yeah. It's... Um, okay, that's not one of them. Well, maybe it's in the later levels. It's but, in the, and, you haven't got there yet. Uh, it says here, what makes you want to keep at it? That's a good thing. For me, it's just, it's binge-worthy, and it's like, it's bite-sized. You can just play like a little bit for like 10 minutes uh, when you've got, when you're waiting for the something, whatever. To me, it's the feeling it gives me, if you know what I mean. No. Oh, just binge-worthiness. It feels so good to play. Yeah. And uh, when do you play? Only at night, baby. Okay. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Um, Only at night. Okay, perfect. I'm starting to think that you still have not been able to get your phone started. I I really want to play more. <laughs> yeah. Jack, I do love the game. It's very fun, and we yeah. were competing, but I have so many phone problems. Is it possible that you're f- holding your phone upside down? Tried that. Yeah. Okay. You know you can hold your phone sideways, too? Yeah. <laughs> And I tried that as well because someone I was I was on the forums. I've been in touch with the makers of Best Fiends, and I just I, this is not their fault. I can tell you this is not their fault. And phone. the game is so fun. Yeah. I'm so interested in playing. Yeah. Okay. Have you tried turning your phone on? Oh, there's a button on that usually on the side. What do you mean on? Forget it. Uh, download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Holy shit. That's friends without the R. Best thing just lit up. Fiends. Okay. Well, this is great. Whoa. That's a lot of <laughs> notifications. <laughs> Look at us, A. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Yeah. B, we're married men. Yeah. C, why is this a something you need to bring up? Yeah. What has happened in the past where you need to humbly request that all your Airbnb guests don't have sex in the shower? By all means, have girls over. Mm. By all means, have sex with them 
anywhere you like in the house. Yeah. Not the shower. Not the shower. <laughs> Please. It's the one thing I ask. And also, it's a Japanese-style shower. Yeah. The whole bathroom is a shower. It's amazing. Yeah. You know what that would be good for? Sex. No. Okay. <laughs> if somebody was a boat. <gasps> you could just fill up the whole bathroom with water. Yeah. Get a boat person in there. Yeah. And then, you, you know. invite them over. You're like, I just wanted to be accommodating. Yeah. <laughs> I've made you up a room. Well. Do you think the boat girls, we haven't really, we've just sort of become aware of this baby nation. So yeah. maybe some of you know and you can answer this. Do you think the boat girls are boat sized or girl sized? Oh, that's such a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I want to say boat sized because they're boats, but they're also girls. You just like I just like I literally just blew a fuse. Like, no, no, please don't Google it. Please don't Google it. There no. are the girls. Oh no no we're in a we're in a burn of the week. Can't call it boat size or girl size. Okay, we're in a burn of the week, and we've got a couple more segments we need to get to. Girl, so sized. Can't I collection? No 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 I don't want to know. I'm not interested. So my burn of the week this week is. A moment after Christy and Alan Gray have their obstacle race, and Christy wins the race in a photo finish, and Alan Gray has to become her servant. Consensus on the internet is that no one knows. (laughs) (laughs) The show is not rooted in reality. Oh. Apparently. Okay. And it's unclear whether these are girls mm-hmm. who are wearing the uh, trappings of boats, mm-hmm. who think they are boats, or whether they are sentient boats who kind of imagine themselves as girls. Okay. So it's not clear. It sounds like we're making this up, mm-hmm. but this is a real thing, Baby Nation. Come yeah. cool it. It's big here. Great. The back Who's door- your favorite Kung Kool-Aid? Oh, Jesus. Uh, the Admiral. The Admiral? Christy. Christy's a conkole. <laughs> <laughs> the back door flew open and shut as Alan stalked out, carrying another iced tea. Christy took one look at the glass and said, where's the lemon? And that was when it happened. Alan's neck tightened up, his eyes reddened, and he looked like he was either going to explode or cry. The rest of us scattered, picking up odds and ends around the yard. Alan smacked Christie's drink down on the table. Iced tea splattered all over his pants, but he didn't seem to notice. Okay, he said, practically spitting the word out. I'll get your stupid lemon. I'll get you whatever you want, Christie, but I challenge you to another race. Just you and me with all your friends around. And this one will be for two weeks of personal service. Christie stared at him. I think she was a little shocked. What do you say to that, ma'am? Alan said sarcastically. Christy slowly lifted the iced tea to her lips. Before she took a sip, she smiled at Alan and said, You're on. Now go change your pants. Yeah. <laughs> he had spilled. He, he had spilled, spilled iced tea on, on his, his pants. pants. Yeah. Fucking badass. Yeah, it was pretty good. Ice cold. Yeah. It's a good thing to say to someone even when they haven't spilled iced tea on their no, pants. No, exactly. I could say that to you. Yeah. You could say, where do you want to go to lunch? And I'll say, McDonald's. Okay. I'll go change your pants. Unlikely. <laughs> I don't know what it would mean. Yeah. I guess maybe you were so excited about McDonald's <laughs> that like... I just wet my pants. Yeah, wet your pants, Jack. That's what I meant. <laughs> you sweet boy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, did you have a burn of the week? Yeah, I did. Week? I didn't love it. Okay. Well, I've got some more good ones. Yeah. Ring, we stopped chattering. Claudia, oh, fuck. Did you say Claudia? <laughs> Did you legit just say Claudia? That's a- <laughs> oh, it's the synchro, man. Synchro is catching up with me. How long have we been recording? Long enough that we can just stop? A long time. Do you want to know what time it is? Ring in, in New York, where we're from. Yeah. Nine a.m. Now you should be fine. Yeah. You totally. should feel fine. Ring, we stopped chattering. Hello, Claudia. <laughs> You don't say hello. Now go change your pants. <laughs> Ring. Hello? Can I just get through it? It's not even good. 
It's not even good. <laughs> you're just you're holding me up for nothing. Well, I don't know, man. You're the one who ring. We stopped chattering. Claudia picked up the phone and said, "Hello, Babysitters Club." She paused for a moment. What? A million dollars? Me? Are you sure? Yeah. We all sat forward. But I don't have a checking account. What? You'll deliver it in cash to my house? Um, <laughs> no thanks. I wouldn't know where to put it. Bye. As she started to put down the receiver, Claudia screamed, Are you crazy? Don't hang. Click went the receiver. You could practically feel everyone's jaws drop on the floor. Claudia calmly reached under the mattress and felt around for some other junk food. Money isn't everything you know, she said casually. Claudia, was that... Did you... Who... Suddenly, Claudia cracked up. It was a recording, she said. Some voice trying to sell carpet cleaning. That's all. Fooled you. (laughs) You liked it. I liked it. And you want to know why? Why? Because you want to know who ghost wrote this book with Anne? Mm. Can I guess? Yeah. Was it our bud Pete Larangis? It was Pete Larangis. (laughs) (laughs) Pete Larangis just, he, he goes over these scripts. And he yeah. just looks for little moments to insert these little slices of life. Yeah. These little humorous kisses. Little vignettes. Mwah. And my name is Pete Larangis, and I have come to mwah. Mwah. Yeah. I knew it was Pete. I wrote that down in my Burn of the Week section as well. Yeah. As soon as I saw that little story, I said to myself, I wonder if Pete is behind this. Has this. Got, this has got Pete all over it. Yeah. Um, can I introduce a topic? Sure, man. It's something we haven't done since literally the second episode. It's called Baller of the Baller. What? Do you remember when we used to do Baller of the Week? Yeah, it was great. It was kind of a spiritual cousin to Burn of the Week. I feel like we stopped doing it because we just gave it to Karen Brewer five times in a row. Well, I'm giving it to someone new this week. Okay. I'm giving it to coaching legend Spuds Diamond. Tell me more. Yo said Jordan Pike, who was walking around with his chest out and his shoulders lifted high. Come on, look lively, he yelled, clapping his hands. Let's go! Claudia giggled. What's gotten into him? She asked. He's Spud's Diamond today, Mal said. Who? (laughs) Spud's Diamond. He's the coach of some Olympics thing. Jordan saw him on TV yesterday and he wants to be just like him. Does Spud's diamond have something wrong with his shoulders? Mal laughed. No, Jordan thinks he looks muscular when he scrunches them up like that. So I think my baller of the week is... Jordan Pike? Well, no, Spud's diamond. Spud's... Oh, okay. Yeah. Jordan Pike is just... Oh! He's channeling him. Oh! Spud's diamond. Yeah. Should I look it up on an anagram finder? What are you doing? Is the platonic form that Jordan Pike... I wasn't really paying attention it's when you were doing your form it. stuff. Can you explain what platonic form is? It was, in my defense, it was very boring. The world, as we know, yeah. is just us watching shadows play out on the wall of a cave. Like Jordan Pike hunching his shoulders. Mm. To make him look tougher. To make him look tougher. Spuds. But if only Spuds you could diving. go out of the cave and see the true glory... Of Spud's Diamond? You would see Spud's Diamond, not just a kid hunching his back to look like a muscular announcer. When I look in the mirror every morning, yeah, when I'm doing my daily affirmations, mm-hmm. which I've been living with you for a week now and can confirm, Baby Nation, that Jack literally does daily affirmations every day. Oh, yeah. Uh, when I look in the mirror, I see Spud's Diamond. Mm-hmm. That's who all of us strive to be yeah we are all spuds diamond yeah and that's why spuds diamond is my baller of the week did you have a baller of the week no i didn't have a baller i know it's been 54 episodes since we've done it and maybe you didn't have one prepped but maybe pete larangis was your baller of the week (laughs) you know who my baller of the week was tanner is it me no it's not you oh you said it in a way that seemed like you were gonna be like it's you (laughs) (laughs) jackie rudowski oh God, was he in this book? Yep. Shit. Is it my turn? And it's your turn. Oh, no. And there is a reason why 
I segued into Jackie Radowski, even though he wasn't necessarily really my baller of the week. I just kind of thought it up, and I thought it would be a good segue. We have a segment that we like to do in this podcast, this award-winning podcast, this Olympic gold-winning podcast, Babysitter's Club Club, that is called... What? We just say it. Track and Jackie. Track and Jackie. Track and Jackie. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back. We have to go back. Yeah. Um, Shit, it's my turn. And huh? it's your turn. Uh, so, therefore, it's my turn to explain to the new baby bees, to whom I will not explain why they are baby bees, what this segment is about. It is as follows. Jackie Rudowski is a babysitting charge of the titular babysitters. A thing that we have noticed is that he is deeply accident-prone, more than any fit young man should be. Anytime he walks two steps, he's tripping over his shoelaces. Right. Anytime he tries to hit a baseball, he throws the bat into the stands. Right. Something is wrong. What we have discovered and what has been substantiated in these texts time and time again is that Jackie Rudowski is not just a clumsy young man. He has become unstuck from time. He often walks through this corporeal dimension into another time and place, lives out an entire lifetime, and then blips back into a moment just a millisecond later, and that is why he trips over his shoelaces, throws a baseball bat in the stands, whatever calamity occurs to him. He's a time walker. <sighs> okay. And a final thing that we need to know about Jackie Rudowski for this segment to make sense is that the lifetime that he lives in another place and time is influenced by the last thing that he experienced before he blipped into another reality. Tanner, it's your turn it's this week. It's my turn, apparently. It's yeah. my turn. Okay, let me just do a quick search for Radowski in the text. Yep. Okay. Next to arrive were the Radowskis. Jackie Radowski, who's seven, is known in the BSC as the walking disaster, and he proved his reputation right away. In the middle of the yard, Alan and Christy had set up a kiddie pool for sailboat races. Contestants, two at a time, would put a toy boat in the water at a starting line, then blow through long plastic straws to provide the wind. Just beyond the pool was a big maple tree with a Velcro bullseye for an archery contest. Unfortunately, that was the event that caught Jackie's eye first. Hey, I want to be Robin Hood, he shouted. He ran towards the target. He tripped and splash. Guess where Jackie landed? In another place in time. Blip. <laughs> Commodore Jackie Radowski finds himself aboard a sloop detached from HMS Zealot. Jackie Radowski is a crack shot with a 1770 Charlesville musket he's been handed by. What? A boat lady? No. Fuck! There's a whole boat lady thing we could be doing here. No, I'm already on a roll here. I'm already on a roll. Jackie is a crack shot with the 1770 Charlesville musket he's been handed. He's been sent on a suicide mission to flank the French master and commander aboard the Conquerant. It's 5 a.m. March 8th, 1808. Daybreak. Small sloop has its targets on its sight. Jackie climbs the mast to the crow's head. Kind of need to know, is the small sloop just a regular boat, or is it a girl who thinks she's a boat, or a boat that thinks it's a girl? Let's say it's a girl who thinks she's a boat. Okay, because I just I want to have my imagination right in this. It's a girl boat. It's a girl. It's a boat girl. It's a boat girl. Right. Okay. He takes aim. He's excited. Too excited. With a crack, the musket fires, breaking the silence of the dawn. The red-hot slug sails through the air. The Capadon de Corvette, standing at the wheel, collapses. Jackie Rudowski has found his mark. But the sloop is exposed. The Conquerat comes around. The gun ports fly open. The cannons glint in the morning sun. Before the midshipmen can drop the sails on the sloop, the blanket of smoke erupts from the French ship. Water explodes around Jackie's ship. 
They're too close. Sitting ducks. Sloop takes one hit. Two. Three. Taking on water, it's too late to flee. I didn't mean to make that rhyme. <laughs> it sounded good, though. Jackie grabs a jib, swings down on the deck. He screams for the petty officers to drop sails, but his command is lost as the mast explodes into shrapnel mere meters away from his face. A fist-sized piece of smoldering wood lodges itself in Jackie's neck, and he collapses to the deck of the ship as it simultaneously erupts into flames and sinks into the briny depths. As his life expires, Jackie smiles. It's cost him his life, but he's accomplished his goal. He knows that this is just one of many lives that he'll live, and that he'll live and die a million lives before he finds peace. Blip. Splash. Water splash everywhere. Jackie cried out in surprise as he fell in face first. Mrs. Zorowski rushed to help him. Christy rushed him. Jackie sat up, looking confused. The sailboat was sticking to his collar. He smiled and shrugged. God, what fortitude it must take after that to smile and shrug. Well, he hit his target, man. The Capitaine de Corvette of the Conquerant is dead. He turned the tides on the entire naval theater of the Napoleonic Wars. He's just surrounded by all these boat girls. <laughs> Shrapnel flying everywhere. Save it for a future episode, man. <laughs> <laughs> he blipped back to the Napoleonic Wars in this one. Oh, Eventually, right. he'll blip forward to the boat girl stuff. To the happy boat girl future that we're all looking forward to. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us are already living it here in, in Tokyo where the the yeah. toilets fire water at your butt and the bathrooms are automatically cool 40 degrees yeah. Celsius every day when you step into them. The toilets fire warm water at your butt. They just really fire it up there, huh? Yeah. Right here in our Airbnb. Yeah. You can just go into the bathroom right now and get warm water just right up there. Tanner and I don't speak Japanese, but there's a button next to the toilet that has a picture of a man or a woman getting water fired into his or her butt. <laughs> we press that button, and boy. We, we can never go back. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Jack and I have already done quite a bit of research into how to get a toilet in our own homes yeah. that fire water right up your butt. Yeah. Because I can't go back. Yeah. Jack. Yeah. I just can't go back. We have to go back. Dragon Jackie. Dragon Jackie, ladies and gentlemen. Single-handedly turned the tides in the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah. Well, my friend, um, have we talked enough about the platonic forms? and? Uh, I think we hit that pretty hard. Instead of that, let's talk about this. What? Did you cry? Did you have a... We <gasps> <laughs> 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 just really, really have to be very quiet, right? Um, because this isn't our home. No. It's you not know? even our country. We are guests here. This man, a very nice man, has invited us into his home. Right. And allowed us to sit on his toilet and get warm water squirted into our butts. His warm water. His warm water. And he has two things. Yeah. Don't, just don't fucking yell. Don't yell. And I have neighbors. Don't bring girls home and have sex with them in the shower. Bring girls home. Don't have sex with them in the shower. Don't have sex with them in the shower. And you know what? We've done neither of those things. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tanner shouted earlier. Yeah, I've been doing some yelling. <laughs> What are we talking about? The platonic forms? Um, eidos? No, no, no. We were talking about tearful moments. The Greek word eidos? Nope. I had one. Mine, uh, no, here's a, Lini just, Papadakis. This Christy is interesting. This is interesting. You'd think he had won an Oscar or something. He grabbed his ribbon and held it triumphantly in the air. Christy picked another. The most determined award. She paused. This is a very special one. And it goes to Andrew Brewer. Andrew's mouth dropped open. Mrs. Brewer hugged him 
and then gave him a gentle push forward. I could hear him say, Thank you, in a teeny voice as he took the ribbon from his stepsister. Andrew. Andrew participated in every event and came in last place in every single one of them. Yeah. But it's okay, because there was still an award for him. Most determined. And you know what, buddy? We're not there yet. We're not, maybe in 2020. Yeah. We'll get the gold medal for podcasting. Today. Yeah. 2017. I'm going to give you most determined for this podcast. You're completely hooked on synchro. You've been running around yelling, despite the fact that our Airbnb host told us not to. I'm going to give you an award, Jack. Wait, really? I'm just so touched right now. Okay. Most into boat girls. (laughs) God, that was so close. It's like a photo finish, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot like the Christy and Alan Gray race. It was a photo finish between you, me, and... A million (laughs) young men in Japan, apparently. Well, look, we're all into boat girls here. Can I tell you my tearful moment? Yes, please. Um, It was the scene directly prior to your tearful moment. Okay. Um, And it is the award that Linny Papadakis wins. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Most frequent weightlifting. I made you cry. <laughs> I just thought it was fucking beautiful. <laughs> For this award to work, it means that a lot of people did a lot better job weightlifting. Right. But Liddy just kept on but coming, he did back, it the most. coming back. <laughs> I thought it was beautiful. Very touching. Yeah. Neither of us cried at Jesse winning the gold medal. No, it was just like, okay, here's the thing that happened in this book with the gold medal. That was super fucked up. And begins this book by saying, I just want to say a huge fucking thank you. This isn't a direct quote. Okay. I just want to say a huge fucking thank you to Carol Grossman. Anne says that. Anne says this. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. First page of the book. Hey, motherfuckers. It's Anne. I'm about to drop some serious babysitting knowledge. But first... Carol Grossman. Carol Grossman. I'm looking her up. Thank you, Carol. Yep. You gave me all of the synchro knowledge. She's a synchronized swimmer. Good friend of Anne's, presumably. Synchronized swimmer. Just like Pete. She's working with the IOC to promote synchro. We're working with the IOC to promote podcasting. Yeah. God, there's a lot of parallels. We've come full circle. Yeah. So in 1992, Anne Matthews Martin took a big fucking paycheck from the International Olympic Committee to try to get kids hooked on synchro. That's why there's so much synchro in our neighborhoods. Now, it, it, it wasn't... <laughs> I'm flying high on synchro right now. It wasn't something that just got there. You think the CIA fed synchro yeah. into our communities? Yes. With the help of the people of Barcelona. <laughs> With the help of the people of Barcelona uh-huh. and Anne Matthews Martin. Okay. That's why there's a synchro crisis. <sighs> Who knew it went this deep? Yeah. You and know? Carol Grossman is behind it. Can I blow your mind right now? Please. You know what Carol Grossman means in German? What? Carol Big Man. Oh, she's the big man. She's the big man behind the synchro crisis. What do you think of that? <laughs> Quickly Google what Lorangus means. <laughs> Let's not, because I'm going to really lose track of my point. <laughs> so Anne makes this deal with Carol, right? And the first page of this book says, could not have done this without you, Carol. I'm trying to get everybody hooked on Synchro, thanks to your help. Last page of this book, here's what Jesse Rumsey says. Synchro is a great sport, and I can see why people like it. But for Elise and me, it was like too much work and too little fun. She told me she was starting to mess up in her regular swim class, which she loves. And I realized I didn't have enough energy for ballet. So when we looked at it that way, the decision to quit was easy. (laughs) That's the message of this book. Quit. Don't fucking do synchro. Yeah. Don't do synchro. Also, if something's too hard, just quit. Just quit. (laughs) better than getting hooked on synchro <laughs> um let's go home we didn't talk about the dream sequence it's boring 
There's a dream sequence. It's the second book in a row with a dream sequence. Yeah. Well, Pete, you think that's a Pete touch. That's Pete, man. That's a Pete touch. Yeah. Pete, if you're listening to this, get at me. I looked you up on Wikipedia today. You sound awesome. You did a bunch of cool shit. We're not going to get into it. I want to look up on Wikipedia. Sure, man. He does. Pete Larangis. Peter. Is for real. This man, this man went on to do great fucking things. Also, according Rangers, to his Wikipedia page, Rangers he's written really over fifty BSC titles. Reading his bio, it's good. Yeah, he sounds like he's really on to something. He does a whole series about the uh, Seven Wonders of the World. Yeah, that's that looks good. Should we read that after we're done with this next week? No, we're still we're going to be reading. The- Pete Larangis's mm. Hunt for the Colossus. We're still book to, one. We're still trying to break into the Japanese market. Okay. We need to read the Sweet Valley Twins books. Sweet Valley Twins and then Boat Girls. And then we'll go, yeah, and then we'll do Cancole. Okay. The manga series. Okay. And then Pete Larangis's Seven Wonders. And then, if we have time, we'll come back to Babysitter's Club. We'll come back to Babysitter's Club. So next week, if it's a Babysitter's Club book, it's going to be Keep Out Claudia. And if it's a Pete Larangis book, yeah, it's gonna be first in the um, Seven Wonders series, The Colossus Rises. Okay. And if it's a Boat Girl book, hold please. Tanner Googles. Yeah, and if it's a Boat Girl book, um, well, hard to say because I don't read Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it'll be the. Torpedo Squadron Chronicles. Okay. Yeah. Good. Surai Sentai Kuron Kuri. Great. Well, you have that to look forward to. Hey, Baby Nation, I'm so tired. Listen, this has been another episode of the Babysitter's Club. 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 I've been Jack Shepard. I've been Tanner Greenway. This week, we read Jesse's Gold Medal. Next week, we're probably reading... Keep out. Claudia! Tricky punctuation there. Yeah, there's a comma and an exclamation mark. I'll let you figure out where they go. Claudia's wearing a bra now. way she talks. You'd think that boys had just been invented. She's too jet-lagged to ask for reviews, ratings, anything, huh? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> the, please, you know, good night. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Yokai range diversely from the malevolent to the mischievous, or occasionally bring good fortune to those who encounter them. Often they possess animal features, such as kappa, which is similar to a turtle, or the tengu, which has wings. Freaking me out, man. You're scaring me. Hi, my name's Jack. Uh, I'm here to take names and kick ass. And okay. I'm all out of ass. You've, already, you've, you've kicked all the ass. What's your name? Tanner. (laughs) Well, now I'm all out of names. Yeah. Yep.